0: Welcome back to the Getting Grit Podcast. I am Brad Pull, your host, and this is where we tell the stories of sinners and saints. Choosing that thousandth thing that will carry you through in disaster, that thousandth thing that will stand your friend as the whole world seems against you, that thousandth thing that will fill your cup till the gallows they fall and after. Do not be discouraged, this thousandth thing that forms God's love within you. All the Hebrews like to say, as you ramble through life, whatever be your goal, keep your eye upon the bagel and not upon the whole. Wadsworth exclaims, the miracle of ordinary things fills a child's world. These intimations of immortality we too often neglect as adults. So how big is the net you cast? Are you waiting for the whisper from God for his direction to know whether you should cast your net to the right or to the left? And then should your catch be so great and your net so tattered, are you able to bring it in alone? When King Nebuchadnezzar had his soldiers bind up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and threw them into the fire, he did not expect to see a fourth man walking around inside the fiery furnace with the three that he'd condemned. Hence he asked, Why do I see a fourth man who appears like the son of the gods? So the king called out the original three, Ye who serve the Most High God, come out of the fire and come to me. Oh yes, now the king's words were filled with reverence, honor, and respect. So the three walked out of the fire without their clothes being scorched, their hair singed, nor the smell of smoke being upon them. Now, most people respond to this story saying that it is something more like a children's story, and so it is, but only because it is children who still have the faith to believe it. Once a rabbi decided to test the honesty of his disciples, so he called them together and posed a question, what would you do if you were walking along and found a wallet full of money lying on the road? I'd return it to its owner, said one disciple. Well, his answer came so quickly, the rabbi thought, I must wonder if he really means it. I'd keep the money if nobody saw me find it, said another disciple. Hmm, he has a frank tongue, but a wicked heart, the rabbi thought to himself. Well, rabbi, said the third disciple, to be honest, I believe I'd be tempted to keep it. So I would pray to God that he would give me strength to resist that temptation and do the right thing. Aha, thought the rabbi. Here is a man I can trust. He has kept his eye on the bagel. When George Washington left office, he began his farewell address. Of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. In vain would that man claim the tribute of patriotism who should labor to subvert these great pillars of human happiness these firmest props of the duties of men and citizens. It would seem as though we have lost the warning of these words. Politicians speak as if they are somehow greater than God, and the political process is more sacred than the cross, while they darken the morality of man with the seven deadly sins. Teddy Roosevelt wrote, In this actual world, a churchless community, a community where men have abandoned and scoffed at or ignored their religious needs, is a community on rapid downgrade. Yet we live in a time of incredible opportunity for revival, which we might see better if we focused on the great cloud of witnesses in our past and stopped focusing on just the whole in our culture. Remember that in the book of Deuteronomy, God is described as mighty and awesome. While well, the prophet Nehemiah refers to the great and awesome God, and the psalmist responds to God's great and awesome deeds, while well, the suffering Job reminds us that God is clothed with awesome majesty. And the word awesome, defined, reminds us to fear, to stand in awe, to show reverence, honor, and respect for God alone, the great I Am. Maybe in our efforts to live a life that honors God because we love Him, these efforts help prepare us to meet the great I Am and along the way strengthen our tattered nets. A day shall come when our treasured friends pass away and we, like men, saying goodbye on the dock as our loved ones board the boat, just as Frodo did at Grey Havens, while we are left to watch the mast, slowly disappearing into the horizon. Yet the day shall also come when we, now on the far side of that sea ourselves, wait with anticipation like those before us, as the mast slowly rises and the ship docks on the heavenly shores, bringing our loved ones to us. For it is by our faith that we say our goodbyes, and it is also by faith that we'll wait in heaven meet again with our treasured friends. Peter once said, I'm going fishing. And it was there that the Lord found him doing an ordinary thing and guided him to fill his tattered net. Sometimes one day changes everything. Scripture says a thousand years is one day to God. I have chosen many things out of a single day and described them as being awesome, from great moments to great victories and great ideas. But I need to remind myself that I must spell that word awesome with a small a. Yet when I choose to keep my focus on the great I am, the awesome one, it is hard to do this without bold caps in my thoughts. Remembering that in my response to God, love is a verb. Isn't it God, the awesome God, who guides us to cast to the right or to the left? And isn't bringing in that great catch with our own tattered nets dependent on the awesome grace of God? Rise today like men and live out the love that God has formed in you. May the holes in your nets be no larger than the fish in it. Ain't it so? This is Getting Grit signing off. Blessings to you all. Dominus Obiscum.